Good morning, and welcome to the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. With the always evolving world of cyber threats and defense, you need a source you can trust. FBI retired Special Agent Darren Mott guides you through today's intricate cyber landscape and brings you the latest headlines and insights and what it means to you. Let's dive into today's cyber news. Good morning, friends. It is Monday, January 29th, 2024. This is the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisor Special Agent Darren Mott. And I want to thank you for taking the time to download, subscribe, all that stuff that tickling the algorithmic gods with the podcast and uh, spending a couple minutes with me every morning to kind of hear my take on cyber news because I know I have a somewhat unique take that not everybody agrees with, but that's okay. Uh, I want to apologize. I didn't put out a podcast Friday. I had recorded one, but then my SD card crapped out. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't my best effort. I wasn't really happy with what I was talking about. So I bailed out. So that's why there was nothing Friday. Um, so we're going to make up to it today with a bunch of news stories, uh, along with obviously some opinion along with it. Now, the first one was the first news story is kind of interesting, the headline, because as some of you may or may not know, I'm writing a book about cyber security, how to get cyber smart for basically, if you are listening to this podcast. You are pretty much probably fairly wise in the world of cybersecurity. This book is not for you. It is for your friends and neighbors that call you and say, hey, why isn't my printer working? That kind of thing. So it kind of goes into some basic stuff. And if you were to read it, you say, yeah, no kidding. This is all basic stuff. But there's been plenty of news reports that shows that even companies aren't doing the basics. So clearly people who aren't paying attention to cybersecurity are definitely not doing it. So I'm hoping it helps them from that, but more on that down the line. But one of the things I mentioned in one of the chapters is long passwords are good, right? Because if technology can't crack a long password over 13 characters, at least not within a million years, and you probably outlive that. But this particular article from Cyber News, NEMA and cell reporting. I'll be honest with you, I read a little bit of it and I think the headline is misleading, but we'll talk about that. Long passwords won't protect your accounts report. Fine. So I see this and I'm like, ooh, that's not good. I just wrote a chapter on that. So it says the password management and authentication vendor SpecOps found that 31.1 million breach passwords contain 16 characters or more, demonstrating that longer passwords aren't impenetrable. Now I argue with this right here. They're not impenetrable because they were stolen. It's just kind of like if I give you my 16 character password, it's useless at that point. If you steal a password file that is hash protected and encrypted, you will never crack that 16 character password. Let's just start right there with that. Okay, so there you go. After analyzing 1.8 million breach administrator credentials, 40,000 admin portal accounts used the term admin for their passwords. Well, of course, that's a problem. And only 50% of organizations assess system monthly for compromised credentials, according to reports. That's actually more of that should be the headline is that companies still aren't even taking the right means to protect their stuff with good passwords. And does say the most commonly compromised password in Kraken Labs' newest list of breach credentials was the combination one, two, three, four, five, six. Dear God. Passwords that contain that that's why I'm writing a book. Passwords that contain the word pass or wrote the word password that were just complex enough to pass the active directory basic rules were also common. Cyber criminals often utilize methods that use your password and credit. So here's the key, right? I don't have to read any more of this. I get where they're going with this. Is if your passwords are compromised. You need to be aware of that so you can change that password if you're using it in other places. It does not mean that having a long password is not a good thing to have. It is. You should have a long password. Use a password manager to create a minor all 20 characters or more. But if that password is compromised in a data breach, that 20 character password is now useless. I get that. So bad headline, bad headline, cyber news. Do better, please, for God's sake. Darkreading.com. Jay Vijayan reporting Microsoft shares new guidance in the wake of the midnight blizzard cyber attack. So this is the pain that keeps on going for, for um, Microsoft. 
Microsoft, Blizzard or threat actors created and abused OAuth apps to access Microsoft's corporate email environment and remain there for weeks. Microsoft has released new guidance for organizations on how to protect against persistent nation state attacks like the one disclosed last week that infiltrated its own corporate email system. The key focus of the guidance is on what organizations can do to protect against threat actors using malicious OAuth apps to hide their activity and maintain access to applications despite efforts to boot them out. Now, these apps are those that when you go to log into a site, it says you want to log in with Google, Microsoft, whatever, as opposed to actually putting in a username and password. There's 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 uh, vulnerabilities within those particular apps, especially, I mean, Google has a big problem with this. Uh, but the attack on Microsoft by My- Midnight Blizzard, also known as Cozy Bear, again, can we have one name? That would be so fantastic. That's going to be that's gonna be a um, subtech article. I just thought about that, so look for that. The threat group affiliated with Russian's Foreign Intelligence Service, or SVR, resulted in a compromise of email accounts. Okay, we already know that belonging to Microsoft employees, including senior leadership. Um, let's see, a recent SEC filing that surfaced this week showed that the threat actor whom the U.S. government has formally identified as the perpetrator of the SolarWinds hack and also breached Hewlett Packard's enterprise cloud-based email environment last May. The attackers are believed to be part of the broader, yeah, on SVR, okay, it's SVR, okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. In disclosing information on the attack, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft described Midnight Blizzard as having gained initial access to environment via a legacy non-production test account that the threat actor compromised via a password spray attack. In other words, they had a bunch of different passwords, Microsoft didn't have it set up so that if after three bad accounts, the thing locks and they just kept doing it until they got in, they got in again, stupid. One of the attacker, uh, once the attacker gained ac- initial access to the test account, they used it to identify and compromise a legacy test OAuth application with privileged access to Microsoft corporate environment. Subsequently, the actor created an additional malicious applications. They created the new user account to grant consent in the Microsoft corporate environment that the actor controlled. So, I mean, it's a very complex it's a complex effort by this group, but that's what they do, right? They spend all day figuring out how to do this. And if companies like Microsoft, the largest company in the world, um, can't protect, can't do the basics, what are small, medium-sized companies? I say this every time. I know you're sick of hearing me, but it is what it is. So again, again, be aware, help people be aware of this thing and help them find support and use and stuff like that. There, there's ways to do it. People just got to want to have to do it. Now, this one, this article I only picked it simply because I could make a joke at the end of it. So we'll hold off the joke for the end of it. Anyway, this is from cyberscoop.com. Christian Vasquez reporting. Secret Service to revive the Cyber Investigations Advisory Board. I found this interesting because... Do they not know how to do cyber investigations? Is that why they need an advisory board? But let's find out. The U.S. Secret Service is establishing a federal committee to advise the agency on cyber investigations according to a notice on the Federal Register. The Cyber Investigations Advisory Board aims to be an industry and expert advisory panel for the Secret Service, which is scheduled to be officially published on Friday. Well, I can't wait to read that. The office was first established in 2020 as a 16-member federal advisory committee with the goal of providing outside strategic direction to the Secret Service's investigative mission. The board was created in part to overhaul the agency's investigative practices official side of the time. My question, why do they need this? I honestly, they do not have enough. They don't have smart people in place to be able to come up with their own strategies. This is craziness, but okay. The advisory board will be the main avenue through which senior industry and other experts can engage, collaborate, and advise the secret service regarding cybersecurity and cybercrime issues. Now I can understand, this is a short article. I'll read the last paragraph. The, fi- the filing noted that the announcement is not a request for membership uh, and the secret service didn't respond to requests. So I can understand if you just want to share intelligence, I surely get that, but do you really need an advisory panel? Now, I mean, not to say the FBI and others won't have one of these the same thing, because if you have someone has it, everybody else has to have it, but I'm not sure this is necessary, but that's just my own gig. Hey, if you know, I'm happy to be a strategic helper on this if they want to ask, but it leads me to my joke. It's a joke I used to tell all the time, and if you're a Secret Service person listening to this, don't take it personally, but it's still a funny joke. What do FBI agents and Secret Service agents have in common? 
They both apply to the FBI. Okay, there you go. There's my joke. Uh, ArsTechnica.com, Dan Gooden reporting. In a major gaffe, hacked Microsoft test account was, okay, that's the same. I, I read that already. That was I thought this was a different thing. This was just more information on the same thing. But I will say in this article, it does talk about, it calls a pretty big config error. Um, so obviously it is, and, and there's a lot of articles on that. I'm not going to repeat the same article, but it has to do with the hack of the emails that I already talked about. All right, I should have I led that a little closer, my bad. Bleepingcomputer.com, Bill Tolis reporting, exploits released for critical Jenkins RCE flaw patch now. Multiple proof of concept exploits for a critical Jenkins vulnerability allowing unauthorized, I'm sorry, unauthenticated attackers to read arbitrary files have been made publicly available with some researchers reporting that attackers are actively exploiting the flaws in the attacks. Jenkins is an open source automation server widely used in software development, particularly for continuous integration and continuous development. It plays a critical role in automating various parts of software, the software development process, like building, testing, and deploying applications. It supports over a thousand integration plugins and is used by organizations of all sizes, including large enterprises. Son- Sonar Source researchers discovered two flaws in the in Jenkins that could enable attacks to access data in vulnerable servers and execute arbitrary CLI commands under certain conditions. So the first one rated critical. The CVE is 2024-23897, if you are paying attention to those kind of things. Talks about what those do. Um, uh, essentially, basic, then there's, there's more if you want to look at it. Obviously, Bleeping Computer does a nice job of listing out a lot of stuff about these vulnerabilities. But there's a fix. All you have to do is patch it. So patch the thing and your problem solved. But as we know, as we talked about earlier, they're not going to patch. They probably have admin admin as their login password for a lot of these companies. But this is going to be a big issue. I guarantee you we see more of this. Com- this week we will see more of this type of article about this particular open source tool because if it's open source, it generally means it's free or low cost. So I'm sure, like, as I said, a lot of companies use this tool. There's no vulnerability. It's exploitable. Um, so if you know anybody using Jenkins, let them know about this. Direct them to this article so they can protect themselves. The article is listed in the show notes. Sergey Gatlin reporting also for Bleeping Computer, Russian trickbot malware developer sentenced to 64 months in prison. So this is from the Good News file. Russian national Vladimir Duanov has been sentenced to five years and four months in prison for his role in creating and distributing the trickbot malware used in attacks against hospitals, companies, and individuals worldwide. Five years, four months is probably not enough, but okay, at least they got somebody, they put him in jail. According to court documents, the 40-year-old individual, also known as FFX, was the one who oversaw the development of the browser malware's browser injection component. Now, here's, here's where he went wrong. In September 21, he was arrested while trying to leave South Korea after being stuck there for over a year due to COVID-19 travel restrictions and an expired passport. That's awesome. He was visiting South Korea and he got hosed by COVID and that made him able to be arrested and extradited to the U.S. Tell you what, Russians, don't go to ex- extraditable countries if you don't want to get busted. That is, and, and honestly, that's the sad thing, right? That's the only way we get these guys is when they make these kind of mistakes and go to somewhere where we can actually put hands on them. So uh, he was... Uh, looks like in this uh, Northern District of Ohio. So it sums up, I assume, the Cleveland Division. Uh, let's see who did this one, if it even talks about it. Um, doesn't say, I assume it's Cleveland FBI or Cleveland, some, somebody in Cleveland, or at least Northern Ohio, maybe Cleveland Secret Service, you know, could be them too. doesn't really say who, who manages. But anyway, he gets five years, four months. Hope he enjoys his time in prison. Wired.com. This, art, this headline drew me in because I want, obviously, it makes me happy to see this headline. Not happy because of what happened, but happy because of what had happened before. So 23andMe failed to detect account intrusions for months. But remember, 23andMe said it wasn't their fault. It was the user's fault. Um, so after 
sorry, after disclosing their breach in October, the Ancestry and Genetics Company 23andMe said in December the personal data from 6.9 million users were impacted. They then went on to say they blamed, that it was the user's um, fault. However, somehow they didn't find out about this for several months. I don't know how the users are supposed to protect against that. Are you not monitoring your system 23andMe to look for odd activity? Clearly, I'm going to say you are not. So um, I only note this article simply because it dings 23andMe a little bit, who did a very poor piece of leadership by blaming the users, but I digress. There's actually a Substack article I wrote on that. Go read it if you are so desired. From HelpNet Security is the last article, Zalichka Zors reporting, what makes ransomware victims less likely to pay up? There's a good reason why ransomware gangs started exfiltrating victims' data instead of just encrypting it. Those organizations pay more. University of Twente researcher Tom Mueller's and his colleagues wanted to know what which factors influence victims to pay the ransom or not, and which factors have, have an effect on the ransom amount organizations end up paying up. Well, this is probably not a good report because it's going to let the bad guys know, but okay, yeah, I understand how to do it. Based on data provided by Dutch National Police on a Dutch incident response organization on 481 ransomware attacks between January 2019 and January 2023, they discovered that cases involving exfiltration of data resulted in a higher probability of payment as observed in 40% of such incidents compared to 25% where no data exfiltration occurs. Additionally, the average amount paid is substantially larger, approximately 1.2 million euros when data is exfiltrated, as opposed to 89,000 euros when no data is exfiltrated. So obviously the research, well, let's, before I get to obviously, the researcher, the research found that the de decision to pay depends on whether the victim organization has backups and whether they have hired an incident response company to deal with the attack. So um, this does not mean ransomware is going away. If anything, it's going to be more problematic. There's going to be more theft of data. They're going to come up with new ways too. They're probably going to say, have you reported this to SEC? And they're going to threaten you that way. Um, ransomware is not going away despite government actors, not government, but government officials wanting to outlaw the payment of ransomware, at least in the United States. I really wish that talking point would die because it's stupid, but that's perhaps a comment or a discussion for another day. That's going to do it for the news this morning. Hope you found value. If you did, let me know. Find me on LinkedIn. Find me on Substack. Find me on X. Um, feel free to email me, Darren, at thecyberguy.com, cyber spelled C-Y-B-U-R. As always, know that knowledge is protection. If we can understand the threats targeting us, we can assess our risk. Proceed wisely. Enjoy your Monday. We will be back, or rather, I will be back tomorrow with more Cyber News. Cyber Smart Morning News is written and produced by CyberGuy Productions. Feel free to email thoughts, comments, or suggestions to Darren at thecyberguy.com or follow Darren on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Darren Mott. Thanks for listening.